Burrow is a furniture company known for timeless design and thoughtful construction, and free shipping, and that extends to their outdoor collection. Their outdoor furniture is built to withstand the elements, featuring rust-proof stainless steel hardware, weather-ready teak, and quick-dry foam cushions. For Memorial Day, get 15% off your Burrow purchase at burrow.com slash ACAST and up to 25% off outdoor. That's up to 25% off outdoor furniture at burrow.com slash ACAST. Wow. Nice. Yeah. What you're hearing are the sounds of people everywhere putting on Bomba socks, underwear, and T-shirts made from absurdly soft materials that feel like plush clouds. Yeah, that plush. And the best part? For every item you purchase, Bombas donates another to someone facing homelessness. Bombas. Big comfort for everyone. Go to bombas.com slash ACAST and use code ACAST for 20% off your first purchase. That's bombas.com slash ACAST. Code ACAST. Hello and welcome to Off The Beat and Track Podcast. I'm your host, I'm Stu Whiffin. It's another week, therefore it's another episode. Today's episode, I sit down with Jessica Carroll um, and it's a delightful chat. We laugh a lot on this episode and that's always a sign uh, that, uh, that we're having a nice time. Um, before we get on with that chat, uh, just a few thank yous. So big thanks to Scroobius Pip. Uh, and all my friends at the Distraction Pieces Network. Have you checked out the podcasts on the Distraction Pieces Network? Um, I'll rattle off a few. There's an amazing one called Films to be Buried With, uh, which is hosted by actor Brett Goldstein, actor-comedian uh, Brett Goldstein. He's a mega superstar now. Brett's um, one of the stars of the multi-award-winning TV show Ted Lasso, where he plays uh, the character Roy Kent. And, uh, and and Brett's podcast is incredible. He sits down with actors, musicians, comedians, all sorts, and and, and talks, I guess, a similar structure to, to, to this, really, but about films. And it's lovely. Um, I've been absolutely honoured to have been asked to go on there. So I've gone on there and, and chatted films. And uh, as has... Um, other people that have uh, that are on the Distraction Pieces Network, of course, the Podfather himself, Scroobius Pip, has been on there. Um, but yeah, go, go check that podcast out. Uh, and yeah, I mean, there's there's stacks over there, and uh, so go have a little look and support the Distraction Pieces Network. I'd like to thank Seventy Six for producing this podcast. He's produced this podcast from day one, and uh, sometimes he's had to battle with, you know. Uh, Wi-Fi that might drop out on Zoom calls and things like that, but he's always kind of delivered a warm-sounding pod chat for you. So thanks to 76. And I guess, as uh, I'm not sure if this episode is going to come out um, at the end of 2021 or the beginning of 2022. Either way, I just want to extend my thanks to you lot um, for supporting this podcast throughout 2021 and 2020. Um, as you know, I've said before that this podcast become a a little bit of a, a creative lifeline for me during uh, the, the, the days where we weren't allowed out. And it kept me connected with people. It kept me talking about the things that I love to talk about, which is people and music. And the fact that people listen and the fact that people, you know, drop me messages and, and follow me on the socials to find out about, you know, and subscribe to the podcast, all of them things, it, it, it makes it even better. So, yeah, so just a big... A big thank you to you and uh, for continuing to support this this podcast. I think we are 350 episodes in there. Like, how did that happen? Still feels like it's only like a year old. It does to me anyway. Anyway, I digress. 
get stuck into today's episode because it's it's a beautiful chat. Please enjoy Off the Beat and Track podcast with the wonderful Jessica Carroll. Sorry, I've interrupted the podcast, but with good reason. Hotel Chocolat are our sponsors. You know that now because I tell you about it every episode. But they've been super kind now. And you may have heard me talking about the products from the cacao bar and there's gins, cream liqueurs, all sorts of wonderful chocolatey goodies. Um, And what they've done is they've set a page up on the website that you can go to. And all you've got to do is just for you off the beat and track listeners, go over there, answer a question, and you could win the full range delivered to your front door. I mean, that's kind of them. All you have to do is go to this place, hotelchocolat.com forward slash OTBT podcast. That's OTBT as in off the beaten track podcast, hotelchocolat.com forward slash OTBT podcast. Go get your grubby little mitts on some deliciously chocolatey drinks, courtesy of our sponsors, Hotel Chocolat. I'll get back to the podcast. It's off the beat and track podcast on the Distraction Pieces Network. With me, Stu Whipping. Okay, we are recording. Jess, how are you doing today? Yeah, good, thanks, mate. I'm excited. Oh, yeah? Yeah, a bit nervous as well, because, I mean, you've had some epic guests on your show, so. It's all just you know. people talking records. <laughs> as long as <laughs> yeah, you're passionate true. about your songs, that's all that matters. Um, so before we get into. Um, the, the song choices we're, we're recording this uh kind of uh, when is it the 9th of december and uh and we're just about to sort of go into some sort of i don't know what it is or whatever mm-hmm. the whatever that buffoon's saying at number 10 <laughs> uh, <laughs> i'm trying not to get political uh, but it's uh, hard not to <laughs> i know but there's some changes happening and and it seems to be sort of backward steps game um hopefully it won't end up back how it was um you know uh, over the previous sort of you know, 17, 18 months. But with that in mind, mm. how did you find lockdown? Both, I mean, uh, what we touched upon before a press record is the fact that you're under your stairs um, <laughs> in some kind of like little Anne Frank-esque studio. <laughs> <laughs> but, um, yeah. But um, so obviously that, is, I, I presume that presented itself in lockdown, that, that kind of setup. So just talk me through how you found... Um, you know, the lockdown, both personally and um, professionally, creatively, let's say. Okay, yeah. It was um, it was every emotion I think you could imagine. Uh, there was a... As soon as lockdown was announced, those of us in the sort of post-production ADR voice world and also voice artists in general and actors, uh, there was a massive panic. You know, got to set up a home studio, go, go, go. And at the same time, you know, we were dealing with all the stress that everyone else was dealing with, what's going on, what is this world that we're living in. Um, so, yeah, there was a big panic to set this Covered Under the Stairs studio up. Um, and at the same time, the sort of leader of our ADR world, Jay, was in hospital in intensive care with COVID. Sure. So that, yeah, that first week was, there wasn't almost even time to think about jay properly because it was you know set everything up keep everything going um i was helping lots of people set up their own home studios because i was set up very very quickly (laughs) thanks to a neighbor with amazon prime who sorted me out with some equipment super quick um yeah it was it was hard and i think the the main emotion that i felt through all of lockdown has been loneliness actually because 
I realised that my social life has mostly been work in the last sort of 10 years, really. Um, I have the joy of being at a microphone with a sort of 10 people that I love most days in a studio with a bunch of great people running sessions. And suddenly we were like plonked into, you know, some people were under beds with duvets over their heads and... um, one person trapped a nerve from sitting cross-legged on the floor for too long recording. <laughs> I shouldn't laugh. <laughs> I know you should. It's ridiculous. <laughs> so, yeah, it was kind of bonkers, really. Um, and, yeah, I just missed everyone a huge amount. And then, sadly, we, we lost Jay um, very soon into that first lockdown. And then, of course, we couldn't all be together. So that was really hard. I remember I was sort of trying to do a virtual... I don't know, funeral. It wasn't really a funeral, but just sort of have a moment of us all be together and raise a glass to him. And it was just cruel, really. Um, And yeah, I don't think I had any time in that first year at all to sit down and think about what on earth we'd been through because it was just nonstop. And I'm so proud of us all because, you know, we kept the, well, all the film and TV that came out during lockdown, we were recording stuff for in our cupboards. Yeah. So yeah, we did, we did amazingly, really. But yeah, loneliness, I think. Yeah, totally. And I think that was the, the, you know, I've asked a lot of people that question, Jess, and it feels that ultimately it's that connection that that everybody missed, that that Mm. how you take for granted that, that that simple kind of pleasure of just being in a room with someone and saying, all right. And, you know, as a podcaster, I'd never, you know, interviewed anybody on a computer I was like what no you can't won't work like that you need you need to you need to feel the kind of feeling in the room you need to kind of be able to see like the body language and and the first couple were quite strange and it's you know I think where we had no choice and you know we was not just doing it for work but it was as well as that I guess you know quiz nights with the family and and all (laughs) of that stuff that yeah that kind of meant that we had to sort of adapt and yeah and I definitely think I've mentioned this a few times previously that you know you, you go out for uh, I like to run and and when you go out for a, a run normally another runner will just give you this little kind of wave <laughs> like you're, you're in some kind of weird little gang and um <laughs> and that continued through lockdown when you was allowed out for your exercise but what was really mad was people and where I live like you know you don't speak to strangers and uh <laughs> But there was people on the other side of the road, like walking their dogs, just kind of going, oh, morning. Yeah. And it was like, oh, and you realise how starved we all were. Desperate for interaction. Yeah. Desperate for it. I was actually interviewed for a, um, an article because I realised I had gone six months without a hug. Shit. <laughs> six months, no hug. Wow. I know. That's bonkers. Because I was sort of high risk-ish um, in the kind of low end of the high risk group um thankfully now not but at the time I was and uh so I was being very cautious I'd actually had COVID back at the end of February beginning of March but we didn't know that's what it was at the time um and yeah just living alone and yeah working alone in my cupboard so no hugs and that first hug was oh euphoric (laughs) oh well that's that's a lovely place to kind of sort of tie up a you know, a, 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 a moment of uh, that hopefully is going to be history now, and uh, and um, yeah, you know, we'll, we'll get the other side of Christmas, and and it'll be a positive place. Um, let's start your playlist, Jess. 
This was so hard, Stu. <laughs> Good. It's meant to be hard. <laughs> I want you to think about these things. Um, and this is the one that everybody says is the hardest one, so I don't know if you agree. But for track one, I'm going to ask you, please, to tell me the song yeah. that you regard as having the greatest ever intro. Well, I feel like lots of people before me chose ones that I also would have chosen. Okay. Um, so I also realised in listening to a playlist this morning and just dancing like a loon around my room rhythm is a dancer snap has literally got the best intro but i haven't chosen that i have gone for last goodbye jeff buckley because that slide guitar mm. at the beginning i don't know what happened but something happened at university where someone introduced me to jeff buckley obviously not personally uh musically and i just felt like wow <laughs> awoken in some way and got completely addicted. I remember watching, I had a video of his concert and I'd watch that on my tiny little TV in my university room. Completely addicted to him, fell head over heels in love and then was told that he was dead. Yeah. So thanks for that, Mike, out there. Um, but that song is just, oof, it's everything. It's really weird, right? And I, I, I never, I'm not criticising your choice at all. But Please I, don't. I, I'm, never, <laughs> I'm never critical uh, of, of, of music on here. But there's something about Jeff Buckley. Right? I love that song, right? mm. Last Goodbye. And I really love the track. It's not on Grace. Um, uh, everybody, uh, everybody uh, oh, yeah. here loves you. Is it Everybody Loves You? Everybody here loves you. Every, everybody, everybody here wants you. Wants you, that's it. Like, kind of, it's almost like an R&B track. And, <laughs> and it's beautiful. And his voice is beautiful. And obviously, he was a beautiful man. Um, but I don't get the wow moment that all of my mates got, that you got, oh. that heard that, that heard Grace and was like, fuck, what is this? And like... And I bought it, and I wanted to love it because all the people that you know that whose tastes I really respect and have influenced me and and turned me on to new music were always going, yeah, go check out Grace, and, <laughs> and I've gone back to it, and I just it doesn't do what it does for everyone else to me, and I don't get it. Last goodbye does, I think it's wonderful, yeah. But the rest of the record, but the rest of it, like. Hallelujah, it's all right, but I prefer the John Cowell version. Oh, thank and, goodness uh, you didn't say the other one. <laughs> <laughs> I would have had to question this entire interview. Um, I like Tim Buckley. That... Oh, yes. Uh, you know, I'm all over that, but yeah. But isn't I'd... that good you stuck, you're sticking to your guns, though, Stu? You know what I mean? You didn't get swayed into thinking... Oh, I better I better pretend to everyone that I love this album. I'm actually like, oh, I don't I don't love well, this album. I'm always more conscious of not being like indie wanker, just going, like, oh yeah, well everyone loves that. Like, <laughs> no, I prefer the B side. Like, because I'm not that guy. I'm really not. But I just wish I got the magic that everybody else gets for Jeff Buckley, and mm. and it just. I just think it could still happen. You never know. You might have that day where you sit down and decide to listen to it, and suddenly <laughs> it's magic. I hope so. I hope so because I do feel like I'm missing out because. Generally, when people that love Jeff Buckley mention his name, they literally light up and uh, they get so impassioned about his voice, his music, and, you know, the whole thing's... I mean, there was rumours, wasn't there, that there was going to be a film made? Yeah, with... Um, Brad Pitt. Oh, I thought it was James Franco. Brad Pitt's a huge fan. Oh, like, and then wasn't there Robert Pattinson at one point? I feel like many people have talked yeah. about 
playing Jeff Buckley. Any super handsome Hollywood actors, you there know, you go. probably gonna gonna. Like Jeff, Franco, Franco could do that, I reckon. Yes, because he looks like him. Mm. Mm. Well, I don't know what happened with that because I also was thinking that was going to happen, and then I do remember reading something about R. Pats and that as well, but. Oh, Pat. <laughs> Who actually, true story, <laughs> since we're here, whoa, took me to my sixth form leavers ball. Shut up. True story. Yeah. Right. Firstly, <laughs> R. Pats. I've never heard that. Have you not? No, but I love that. <laughs> so. I'm suddenly very embarrassed. He took you to, to, to was it your, yeah. le- your leave at school leavers party? My, yeah. So <clears throat> I was at school with his sister, Lizzie Pattinson. And it's actually quite sad. Uh, L Pats, <laughs> E Pats, and and her sister V Pats. Um, no, basically, I had no. I no, no men were attracted to me, so I had no. <laughs> I had no one to take me to my ball. You can't say that while sitting under the stairs. That's so fucking tragic, Jeff. <laughs> no one to take me to the ball. <laughs> I'm hiding um, under the stairs. Um, no one loves me. Uh, no, basically, I didn't have a date at the time. Sure. So Lizzie was like, why don't we just... Rob can come with you. And he was, I think, 14 at the time. <laughs> and obviously ludicrously beautiful yeah which he is um so yeah i I actually dug out the photos a while ago because no one believes me it is absolutely true um and i don't know where they are i must have dug them out and i think i've left them in my old flat somewhere and you know conveniently they're now in the bin somewhere but i would love to put them on social media and prove this hilarious point when my hair was in these kind of tiny little balls on the top of my head i don't know what was going on was that the kind of the, the 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 bjork thing I think so, Stu. I'm not sure. I just remember going to a hairdresser and saying, it's my ball, make me look pretty. And that's what I ended up with, sort of, yeah, B- lots of Bjork balls on the top of my head. <laughs> <laughs> As I sat next to our Pat. Ridiculous. Oh, amazing. <laughs> I mean, that, that's a great way to start the podcast. <laughs> um, how does Rhythm is a Dancer start? Do, 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 do. It's all that. And oh, they, it's that big and then it's sound, the, isn't it? Yeah, and it goes on for so long that I feel like it calls everyone to the dance floor. It's yeah. like, yeah, it's all synth. Um, it's so long. I played it the other day. I was like, this intro is so, so long. Yeah. And then there's all the like sneaky little rhythm, but they're not in properly. And yeah. then suddenly it's like, do, 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 and it's proper in. <laughs> Forget that people thankfully can't see me <laughs> doing that Rolling dance. Under the just, stairs, loving it. <laughs> Okay, I'm going to take you back for track two, Jess, and I'm going to ask you please to tell me the first song that you remember hearing that had an emotional impact on you, please. Yes. I have chosen As the World Falls Down from The Labyrinth Mm -hmm. by David Bowie. I mean, wow. Um, I was trying to work out what the emotion, like what that impact was, Mm -hmm. and I think it was yearning. For what? And not not necessarily that lust yearning but it's something about that scene um in that ballroom where he's just looking at her and he can't get her and he wants her and I don't know there was so much going on for me in terms of my dad was um killed when I was two and that that kind of feeling of wanting and yearning so badly to have that person around in my life something about that struck a chord every time I watched that film and my brother and I watched that film all the time yeah um oh it's just the best film um 
so something about that scene just it just used to just hit me and I would cry and I was tiny you know I was young when that I mean I don't think I watched it when it very first came out but I was probably about you know eight eight I would say seven or eight when I and it was a lot it was huge emotions and I'm sure of course like a lot of people there was also some kind of lusting over David Bowie in that bizarre outfit that everyone seemed to find attractive um it was yeah it's quite snug wasn't it Yes, it was very snug, very confusing outfit. I think yeah, <laughs> for a lot of people, definitely. but it did something, Stu. I don't know what that something was, but it did something. I only realised how snug it was maybe about two <laughs> years ago, um, and I- I'm old enough to uh, to have gone to the cinema to watch Labyrinth. Oh wow! And uh, and and just just being blown away. And I've got to be honest, probably didn't know that much about David Bowie then either. I was just like, oh, it's just Jim Henson's doing some more crazy yeah. shit. I'm all over it's this. Puppets. And, like, and you you watch it now, and it's like, how, how bizarre does Bowie look in that? Like, the whole setup, he's just crackers and wonderful. Um, and so, okay, so where, where, was, where was home then, Jess? Home was Earlsfield in southwest London um, in a, a nice house, which my mum still lives in. Um, we were... I went to Wimbledon High School, so I had a sort of lot of very, very rich friends that we didn't have that money. So I was sort of hanging out in houses that had, you know, giant plasma screen TVs and MTV and all sorts of things on that we didn't have at home. But, you know, mum, mum's amazing. She, single mum, brought us up, made sure that we both went to really good schools and provided everything she possibly could. But yeah, southwest London, born and raised. There's a bit in... um love actually well i think martine mccutcheon says she's from wandsworth not the good bit and that's yeah. that's yeah where i was from that's a good impression um, there by the way thanks very much <laughs> <laughs> i love martine um yeah so it's a, it's it's funny going home now because it's yeah it's exactly the same as it was nothing's changed was you aware that you know you was you were surrounded by people that kind of were probably more privileged and 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 you know had much wealthier lifestyles than, than than you and how did that how did that make you feel that's a really good question yes i was very aware of it um i think i've spent a lot of my childhood trying to fit in in some way and i think it started before being aware of you know the privileged lives that my friends were leading um it goes back to, you know, not having a dad growing up was very, oh, I remember being, I think, six and doing a Father's Day card thing at school and sort of saying, hi, sorry, I, I don't have a dad. And everyone else laughing, um, which, of course, I'm sure they wouldn't even do that today. But yeah. back then there was nothing in place at all, you know. So we did, both my brother and I, grow up in in trauma and grief and those are huge things for children to try and grasp. And of course they don't understand that you don't at that age. It feels like you've just been left or abandoned. Um, so I think a lot of my childhood was me trying to find that collective, that, um, you know, group that, w- that I belonged in. And so, yeah, that was another thing that made me an outsider when I was at school was the fact that, you know, I didn't have a, oh, what car did everyone have? Like a like a golf or something cool is that cool I don't know <laughs> I think it was yeah <laughs> I can't remember I had that actually I had the car from Reggie Yates's film Pirates the beaten up Peugeot 205 which Love cost it. me I think like 600 pounds and was definitely belonged on a scrap heap um 
first cars are meant to be shit. I think so too. Honestly, you wouldn't believe it. it was like, what was that show where Sweet 16 thing where they used to get given those yeah. SUVs? Yeah. I mean, this is what I was this is what I was dealing with, really, Stu. Yeah. Um, I just, yeah, it was it was bonkers. But it also was amazing because I'd end up at parties, you know, in properties that were owned by property developers selling to like Robbie Williams. And I'm thinking, what on earth am I doing here? But I definitely noticed that. You know, there was an element of people, friends of mine, potentially bailing on me because they might have got a better offer. That was a feeling that I felt quite often at school. And I think that's because I couldn't offer, you know, the fun things that other people could, whether it was hanging out with whichever band it was at the time or, you know, fancy parties with bell towers. <laughs> Don't know if they had bell towers, but... So, if, I mean, you mentioned... You know, just just touching on what you said there, what is, I mean, it, it kind of sort of smacks of, sort of almost like imposter syndrome. And mm. how, how do you deal with that? And do you ever deal with that now? Selling a little or a lot? Shopify helps you do your thing however you cha-ching. Shopify is the global commerce platform that helps you sell at every stage of your business. From the launch your online shop stage to the first real-life store stage. All the way to the did we just hit a million orders stage. Shopify is there to help you grow. Shopify helps you turn browsers into buyers with the internet's best converting checkout. 36% better on average compared to other leading commerce platforms. Because businesses that grow, grow with Shopify. Get a $1 per month trial period at shopify.com slash work. Shopify.com slash work. Burrow is a furniture company known for timeless design and thoughtful construction and free shipping. And that extends to their outdoor collection. Their outdoor furniture is built to withstand the elements. Featuring rust-proof stainless steel hardware, weather-ready teak, and quick-dry foam cushions. For Memorial Day, get 15% off your Burrow purchase at burrow.com slash ACAST and up to 25% off outdoor. That's up to 25% off outdoor furniture at burrow.com slash ACAST. Millions of people have lost weight with personalized plans from Noom, like Evan, who can't stand salads and still lost 50 pounds. Salads generally for most people are the easy button, Right. For me, that wasn't an option. I never really was a salad guy. That's just not who I am. But Noom worked for me. Get your personalized plan today at Noom.com. Real Noom user compensated to provide their story. In four weeks, the typical Noom user can expect to lose one to two pounds per week. Individual results may vary. I had huge imposter syndrome when you asked me to do this. Shut up. <laughs> I did. I sat and I had to give myself a strong talking to you. Okay. Because I thought, hang on a minute. You know, I'm successful. I know what I'm doing. I, yeah. You know. And, I, and also it's about music. And like you said, it's about having a nice chat with a mate. And, of course it is. Um, yeah, imposter syndrome for sure. I think all the things that I'm also training at the moment to be a psychotherapist. So I'm fascinated by all this. And actually looking back through music has been really interesting. Um, the things, you know, hearing my brother playing goth music angrily through the wall that I shared whilst playing Backstreet Boys um, was... <laughs> that's, now, a, that's a mashup, isn't it? My poor mother. She's like, what's going on? Um, that's really interesting because I think, you know, back then my brother was trying to let out the emotions that he had through music and his was a... Uh, 
ah, you know, angry. I'm angry about all this stuff. Whereas mine, I think, was very much a, please, someone love me. <laughs> um, and I think you, when you've gone through trauma and you are a sponge to all those emotions around you and there's nothing in place. So we didn't talk about it. You know, we didn't talk that, about the fact that dad was dead and that it, that made me different and, and all of those things. And I had a huge amount of emotion, complicated, deep, complex emotion that I, if I demonstrated it or expressed it, it was kind of gaslit, really. It was, it was squashed. It was, oh, you're being hysterical. You're being dramatic. You're being too much. So that would lead to shape-shifting and imposter syndrome and all sorts of other things and, and fawning and trying to be less of who I was, shrink away, um, because I'm too much for people. So if I shape-shift and if I people-please and I entertain and I do those things, not only can I show those emotions through those roles, they're acceptable in those roles, but also I'm liked. And I think that was the main thing for me, was wanting to be liked, needing to be liked. And probably still is, and it's probably 100% the reason I'm an actor, but <laughs> I'm sure it's the reason most actors are actors, to be fair. Oh, growing up's tough, isn't it, at the best of Wolf times? it is, Jim. <laughs> <laughs> oh, dear. It is. Okay, well, let's, um, let's stay in the formative years, Jess, and I'm going to ask you please mm. to tell me uh, the song that reminds you of your time at school, please. <laughs> I feel like every answer... I have for these is like, yeah, but also, Stu, there's also this, 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 this. Oh, you're allowed honourable mentions, mate. That's fine. Honourable mentions. Mm. Well, it's complicated, isn't it? Because you've kind of got the younger years of school. Yeah. And the first song that I thought of hilariously was, um, I want to sex you up. TikTok, you don't stop. Yeah. (laughs) (laughs) Is that played at my disco when I was like 10? I just Mm -hmm. remember, no, younger. must have been like six or seven. Fuck me, Jess. I was literally hearing that in clubs. That's how old I am. Oh, I wish I was hearing that in clubs. (laughs) I just remember being completely confused hearing it in the, in the like gym hall. (laughs) Why is this playing? Um, But yeah, so I went through all of the, um, the teeny bopper years, Stu. And actually, looking back on it, originally when I was going to, you know, thinking about these songs to talk to you about, I was a bit embarrassed about the whole Backstreet Boys era, Take That, Backstreet Boys era, mm-hmm. M&A, and all the other ones. Um, but actually, like I said, it was that time of trying to fit in and be with people in, in a collective. And the, the sort of teeny boppers, I remember the rivalry between the boys owners and the back, the BSBs, the Backstreet Boys <laughs> fans. And it was, it was real and yeah. it, it was tribal. And I think after the <laughs> tribal Backstreet Boys. Picturing some sort of turf war going on in Wimbledon. <laughs> <laughs> oh, but there were. We used to have, there used to be fights breaking out in Wimbledon stations, too, like for real between the local girls' schools. I'm not even kidding. And it was hilarious because there were two slightly rougher girls' schools and they would get in these massive fights and you'd just see these like posh Wimbledon high girls like, <laughs> like running through them, <laughs> trying to get their trains out to like wherever they lived sorry with their amazing um but yeah so I went through all of the teeny bopper fan era but also was massively into Oasis and that is what I've chosen Wonderwall um because I managed to get away with wearing Adidas campus at school for like five years by claiming I had a knee injury instead of like a nice shoe that you were supposed to wear because I was like no I'm supporting Oasis wearing Adidas shoes (laughs) and I used to sit in ones with common with my dog and local friends and we'd hang out in this tree so bonkers and we were just obsessed with oasis absolutely obsessed and that's a real time actually one of those um one of the people i used to hang out with is now 
public service broadcasting the band like he's John in public which is just so bonkers I didn't realize until I saw them live at Glastonbury and was like hang on a minute <laughs> he looks a bit familiar oh really Weird. yeah and they were re- like they were cool they were older than me they were cooler than I was and they were in a band and you know I loved hanging out with them and and it was all we t- all we talk about Oasis we had the new song so there was all that going on but also I am a garage girl mm-hmm. you know that's my era through and through and I very nearly chose a garage song for pretty much every one of these um okay which one was in the running oh they were all in the running um i was just listening to crazy love (laughs) so probably that i mean they're all everything yeah it was such an era watching pirates again to go back to reggie yates's film it was so fun the whole audience was you know people who were around then and the nokia 3310 rang in the film and everyone was like whoa whoa and um yeah, I'm just really proud to have grown up in that time, actually. So that would have been more my, my late teen years when we were sneaking, well, actually before that, sneaking out at 14 to go to Equinox in Leicester Square. But, Terrible. But both of them scenes, you know, whether that be, you know, the, what the press called Britpop, you know, and, yeah. and talking about, you know, the Blurs, Isis, Pulp, Swades, etc. Like, so British. And, and then you look at, at Garage and... I mean, that doesn't get any more. That screams London to me. It yeah. sounds like it sounds like London. And it's it, a London thing. It is a London thing, and uh, quite, <laughs> you know, and, and it and it is, and yeah, I just think. I mean, what what was you? Because you know, when I speak to I speak to guests on here, when they kind of find that point where you know, when you start to get into your sort of you know fourteen, fifteen, etc., and you start to find your tribe. And mm. you realise then that maybe you don't want to be hanging around with that. Like you don't want to be trying to pretend you're into that to be with that person because these people like the stuff that I like. Mm. And I think, you know, when them sort of times start to sort of present themselves, I think that's when you start to, I don't know, certainly the case for me, start to kind of find out a little bit more about who you are, who you want to be. Um, we've, with that in mind, things like Oasis or Garage, did that feel... Did that feel almost elements of sort of punk to that? Did that feel kind of anti-establishment and... Yeah, do you know what it did? I think Oasis... Well, actually, both of them, yeah. I was going to say Oasis, definitely. Um, I almost felt like at the time that Blur was more kind of, I don't know, not, it was nicer. It was a bit too nice. And it's yeah. not at all, but it sort of felt a bit flowery for me. Whereas, no, the kind of of Oasis was... Yeah, it did. It felt like... And, and the lyrics, you know, everything about it was like, we're done with this, actually. We're going to yeah. stand up and roar about it. And definitely Garage. Garage felt like, if you don't know about Garage, like, get yeah. out of my face. You know, we were so, it was oh, Garage Guns. <laughs> I obviously see those on, on the podcast, but I'm doing them now for you. Um, yeah, I think it was very punky. Yeah. yeah. That's really cool to think of it that way, actually. Because, of course, when you're in it, you're not really, it's just happening around you, isn't it? Yeah. But, yeah, it was I mean, it, what Garage did for music, in my opinion, is epic. Yeah. Absolutely epic. And listening, it was listening to, I, did, I went to the Q&A for that Pirates film, and um, it was so interesting listening to the, the guys who played the roles. You know, these sort of 20-somethings, <clears throat> brilliant performances from all three of them. And uh, they were all just saying, oh, we're so jealous that we didn't grow up in that time. Yeah. And, it, and I am really proud. I always talk about how proud I am to be a Londoner, but how proud I am that I grew up in those yeah. garage days. And I do think there was an element of, yeah, rising up and 
which led to even more rising up really it wasn't very well said but you know what I mean (laughs) did you know what you wanted to be when you was at school yes I did so my dad was an actor and I often question whether I truly wanted to be an actor or whether it was what I thought I should be because I was trying to follow in my dad's footsteps Mm -hmm. and I think there's an element of both um yeah I wanted to be an actor from a very very tiny age and was laughed at actually by the careers woman in my school when I said I was thinking of going to drama school not to university um it was very much she went you know Oxbridge or you know other great universities and that was that and you did law or medicine that was kind of it um and this woman laughed at me so I did I went to university in the end because I thought panic but no definitely I did all the school plays I you know I did it all I and it was such a wonderful outlet for me. And that's why I get so... Did you like the attention? Yeah, definitely. Was you a show-off? I, felt, I think I was a show-off, but yeah, I felt seen, Stu. And I think that's when you're a little girl who, like I said, is full of stuff that she doesn't understand, these big emotions that, like, it hurts today. It actually hurts. <clears throat> you know, I think you try and show that any way you can with the hope that then some I used to say I mean I said it today in the podcast my most used phrase I think in my whole life has been my dad was killed when I was two and it's a very specific sentence I don't say my dad died I say my dad was killed and in some ways I mean he was killed but in some ways that's more dramatic and I think the more dramatic I was it was because I was trying so hard for someone to turn around and effectively give me a hug and say oof you have been through some stuff yeah. I'm really sorry that you've been through that. And I never got that. Not until I was an adult and, you know, going through therapy did I ever get that validation of the pain that I was experiencing. Yeah. I'm going to ask you for track four, Jess, to tell me <laughs> the first song that you remember buying <clears throat> from a record shop, please. <laughs> yeah, which links quite nicely into that chat, doesn't it? Um, I think this is hilarious. This, this is my first song that I bought in a record store. And I remember going into our price and buying it with my nanny at the time who was looking after me. It's Shakespeare's Sister and Stay. Um, I mean, fuck me. If there weren't enough drama in <laughs> Jeff Buckley, <laughs> you're going to throw in Shakespeare's Sister. <laughs> oh, what a song. And do you know what, Stu? It wasn't the, you know, the beautiful Marcella bit at the beginning it was that you better hope and pray yeah. you know it's that meaty dark wow I have tried to get her on the podcast have from you? the day one like Siobhan Fahey was like you know I'm old enough that she was my crush in Bananarama oh, yeah. and then all of a sudden she turns up in a new band named after a Smith song I'm like <laughs> oh <laughs> yeah, I'm on board. And because uh, they, they put a record out last year, Shakespeare's sister, and two of the game. Yeah. I did not know this. Mm, yeah. I mean Wow. Aside from the kind of gnarly uh Siobhan voice, like mm. Marcella Detroit's voice is oh, fucking amazing, it's isn't it? Unbelievable. Yeah. It's absolutely like actually just sitting here thinking about it has given me goosebumps. So there we go. Like literally got goosebumps. She does a little kind of almost like a scream at the end when all the drama's going, the strings are going, and it's, <laughs> it's going. literally, I think, because in the video, I think, are, are they like, they're fighting over the, the, the body, aren't they, that's in the, the yeah. hospital bed? Am I, am I, if I remember yeah, that right? Yeah, I know that's exactly right. I haven't actually watched that video in years, but as you've yeah. said that, that's absolutely what's come back. Yeah. Uh, and yeah, and it's just a bit where 
yeah, Marcella's voice just <laughs> soars, and it's like so high as well. It's like wow, I've just given myself goosebumps. There you go, hey? saying that. Great song. Not everyone gets goosebumps, Jess. Did you know that? Is that is that scientifically true, Stu? Mm, not everybody gets them. Wow. Yeah. I don't know if you don't get them if you're dead inside. Like, I don't know. (laughs) (laughs) Emotionally void. Um, But I know that not everybody gets goosebumps. uh, What a a weird little thing to not have experience. That's sad. I'm sad they don't get to experience that moment of like, And did you know that there's musicians, I've mentioned this before, so if people Mm -hmm. have heard me mention this on another episode, I do apologise, but it fascinates me. Um, There's actually, there's technology used now which is kind of, I don't know what frequencies in music and things that induces goosebumps. I feel like that's Adele's voice, though. Right. That, did I read an article about that? No, genuinely. Sure. <laughs> something about, there's something about the pitch, the, the tone of her vibrato that scientifically taps into that exact thing that you're talking about. Wow. Which makes everyone emotional. That's, that's crazy. Like, yeah. there's, there's definitely, I think on one of the, the kind of probably less successful Michael Jackson later albums. He mm-hmm. was obsessed with that technology. And there's lots of production stuff thrown in there, which apparently, yeah, brings on mm. goosebumps. Uh, yeah, how strange. It's bonkers, isn't it? Goosebump inducing music. <laughs> <laughs> that was a great little voice over there. That. <laughs> yeah, it really so was, wasn't it? <laughs> Oh, dear. <laughs> I'm going to use that and then just put off the beaten track afterwards. Oh, God. <clears throat> right. Um, so, well, well, tell me about... Um, I, I want to sort of just hang on to uh, a, a chat about record shops at the moment. Mm. We've done a little shout-out for our price there. Um, <laughs> but as, as you got older, and did, did record shops ever become, you know, somewhere that you'd you'd kind of go and frequent were they you know and and even nowadays you know if you walk past a rough trade you go in and have a look like what's your relationship with the record shop in school uh one of my best friends lived in putney and there was the r price on the high street there and that was what we did um you know on a weekend and they had those great listening stations didn't they that you could go and plonk on anything and just sit there and like vibe out to it so we were in there most weekends um my pocket money all went on Pocket money. I probably I had a job by then, but yeah. uh, my money, <laughs> my fifty p from my mum, went on records. Yeah. They all did. Well, CDs. Yeah. And actually, um, Katie had a, a mini disc player, which I did not have. But um, someone was doing all right. I, do you know what I mean? Yeah, I know. I think she had all of those things actually. Um, and then yeah, at uni, the HMV in Norwich was was always the place to be. Actually, mm. weirdly. Uh, big baggy jeans and hanging out in the the rock area, loved it. But ah, again, spent so all did my you money find there. yourself in Norwich around? So what was happening then? New metal. Yeah, um, I sort of cut, I suppose drum and bass from London as well. Well, not just specifically from London, but I kind of was into that in London. Mm-hmm. So there was drum and bass. Um, yeah, gosh, the rock nights at UEA, sweaty baggy jeans. What was happening then? Limp Biscuit, all of that stuff. Limp Biscuit, Lincoln Park, Death uh, oh, System of a Down. Yeah. I actually put Chop Suey on earlier and just was like, oh gosh, it's so good. <laughs> <laughs> so good. Everyone had piercings at my uni. It was really, um, it was such a great place to be because there was, you know, there was the indie night. There was the, yeah. 
a cheesy night, which I never went to. Thank you very much. Uh, there was the rock night. There was the, it's just, it was great. And because it was UEA, it's the only place to play in uh, East Anglia, really, for big bands to come and play. So we just got everyone. It was, it was so cool. Who'd you get? Who'd you see? Well, I was about to say someone that we shouldn't talk about for very horrible reasons. Okay. We won't talk about them. Somebody very big. Um, Air Air came and played at UEA. That's weird and amazing. Uh, Wheatus, hilarious at the time. (laughs) Loved a bit of Wheatus. (laughs) I love that I was like, big, amazing band. Yeah. (laughs) Oh, they they all come to UEA. Wheatus. uh. (laughs) Uh, um, Who else came? Alkaline Trio. I loved them. Um, who else did I because I, I used to do the photography for the paper um, and interview them sometimes as them bands as well I'm trying to think who I met oh Snow Patrol that was nice not really wow. very epic rock music but um, still lovely uh, oh a Shed 7 <laughs> nice I've had re- who I had tea with Stu really because my, uh, my first year halls were right opposite where the tour buses would stop um, and yeah, we just invited Shed Seven in to see you one night. I've had, I've had Rick on here. He's uh, he's a Aww. really nice fella. I mean, they were lovely. Yeah, were absolutely lovely. Um, Feeder. Who else was around at the time? Gosh, it was just there was so much going on. And so, what you was kind of, was you sort of interested in getting involved in in, in music at that point then by sort yeah. of photography <laughs> and, and interviewing bands and stuff? Was that something that was sort of you know a consideration? I would have loved to have been, you know, famous in a band. Wouldn't we? Um, yeah, that would have been cool. Mm. Um, I was in a band, Stu. Let's talk about that. <laughs> Tell me all about your band, Jess. <laughs> Stu, they had a really cool name. Okay, go on. It's really not cool. Um, we were called Stonosaurus. <laughs> <laughs> what the fucking hell? <laughs> oh, my God. It was a time... We yeah. were doing kind of, we was described it as like piss rip stoner hip hop. Right. Um, it was so bad, but it was so good. The my friend Mike and John, my, uh, Mike and John would make up these incredibly silly but very funny lyrics, and then I would sort of wail in the background like Fergie from the Black Eyed Peas. Um, and it was a time, but we we got really successful in Norwich. <laughs> <laughs> Oh gosh! And actually, ended up going on tour with um, Goldie Looking Chain. Wow! Thank you very much. Yeah, I mean that's pretty amazing. Guns don't kill it's people. Really fucking amazing, do. considering you was called Stonosaurus. <laughs> <laughs> I won't even repeat some of the lyrics because actually, now twenty twenty one, extremely inappropriate and not nice actually Um, but at the time yeah it was good it was good but I did I did um I hang out with a lot of um music journalists well music journalist wannabes who are now actually music journalists and yeah that would have been a really cool path and I loved photography but it still wasn't it still wasn't quite what was I suppose floating my boat yeah so at at uni and choosing to go to uni and not drama school Mm. was acting kind of on the back burner for a bit uh well I did English and drama so I still was doing drama there was a lot of writing going on um I did actually I I wasn't very happy in my first year at university I had uh I've been quite public with 
people who follow me and things uh, with regards to a horrible thing that happened to me in my first year, unfortunately. And it, it, it made me sort of question whether I could stay at uni. Um, but I did stay. But at the time I was thinking I better apply for drama schools. Get me out of here. Get me out of here. And I'm pleased I did stay because it, it, it made me who I am. And I, I think I was a big believer that to be a great actor, you need life experience. And I still believe that. Um, and I knew that being at university would give me that life experience and, and access to so many people from all walks of life and all of those wonderful things that enhance you as a person and as an actor. Um, but as soon as I finished university, in my last year of university, I was applying for drama schools um, to go and do a postgrad. And actually, the year I went to university, all London drama schools changed their course to a degree course just to completely mess up my plan. <laughs> Oh dear. <laughs> so selfish. So selfish. Um, so my plan had always been three years at university and then a year or two years at drama school. Yeah. Um, but that was not not to be. <laughs> had to sort of change direction a bit. Which which was your choice for, for clubbing? Did you actually decide to settle on one or have we not gone there yet? <laughs> we haven't gone there yet. Oh, are we, not, are we going um, for, no, no, we are we going for the greatest well, we... works of Stonosaurus or... <laughs> Yeah, we're going for why don't you give me another blowback? I believe that was a classic Stonosaurus track. (laughs) Incredible. Um, I chose actually. I I was thinking about Chop Suey. Actually, I Mm -hmm. feel like I should actually choose that because I have chosen, or I told you I chose um, a little bit of luck by DJ Luck and MC Neat because those clubbing days towards the end of school were so awesome. And, you know, that holiday that everyone goes on when they finish school and they end up on a Greek island dancing at Saloon 69 or whatever it's called. Um, True story. Those days were great. So I did choose that. But actually thinking about those rock nights, those those were the the clubbing nights for me at university. Yeah. You know, screaming out the (laughs) epic lyrics and thrashing your hair around and sweat flying. So I think actually I'm going to switch it to system and chop suey. I'd also really like to know what you were screaming uh whilst you were singing along to chop suey because i have not got a fucking clue <laughs> what he's saying <laughs> i don't think you trust in my self-righteous suicide no no not that but you know i'm not talking oh. about that bit yeah, no, no, I don't. You want to be, isn't that? That's one of those. That's that you bit. Be. You want to do? Yeah, no idea, Stu, but good point. <laughs> oh, wonderful. The reason being, I've played that in my club for probably the last 30 years and uh, or 20 years. And oh, do you know what? I, I saw something advertised yesterday that freaked me out. Um, the Libertines have announced uh, a tour to celebrate uh, the 20th anniversary of their first album. And it's like, there's no way the Libertines was 20 years ago. How terrifying is that? That's made a little bit of sick come up. Um, (laughs) (laughs) 20 years. I know. I know. Crazy. I'm still that person that genuinely believes that the 90s was like 10 years ago, though. Yeah. And that's it. I know. I can't get past that. Mm. Yeah, it's, it's weird. Like when, I mean, I, I obviously, I, you know, I've got my club and, and people, I, I mean, I, I ID people sometimes and I just think, holy shit. Like, that was like two years ago when you was born. <laughs> <laughs> 19 years ago. That makes no sense. I was DJing a little while ago 
and uh, and this 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 girl come up to me when I was DJing, and she was like, "Are you are you Stu Riffin?" I was like, "Yes," and I thought, "Still got it." And she went, uh, "You went to school, my mum." She said to say hello. And I was like, oh, fuck's sake <laughs> that was very grounding <laughs> my uh, my ex-boyfriend was eight years younger than me and i was dating him when he was still at university and i went to meet him one day and he, he looked really a bit hungover i said you all right babe what's going on he said oh yeah I was just feeling a bit rough went went out last night i said oh was it a good night he said yeah it was a, it was a retro night i said oh cool what was that like you know 70s 80s he's like no 90s and i said Never, ever say that again, ever. Yeah. My era is not a retro era. How dare you? Yeah, God. That made me feel a bit sick. Okay. Let's take you home. Favourite yeah. song from an artist <laughs> from your home county, please, Jess. I mean, this is so difficult, being from London. Yeah. Because I've got, what, Kate Bush, Kinks. Bowie. Police, Bowie. Clash. Clash. Literally so many amazing bands. <laughs> I'm laughing because I feel like I chose a fairly cheesy option, okay. but there's a reason behind it. I've gone for Adele, Hometown Glory, but the high contrast remix mm. of it, which I love um, because it incorporates a bit, you know, the drum and bass with mm. it all. But I was walking through the beginning of lockdown, I suppose kind of coming full circle for what we're talking about. I, was, I decided I needed to go and walk through my hometown and see it in lockdown. I needed to see it with my own eyes because I couldn't really believe what, you know, people talking about, oh, it's empty, it's empty. And I took myself on this epic walk. I went, you know, all the way down to London Bridge, South Bank, Trafalgar Square, Soho, everywhere. And I bet I must have seen like three people. And I remember Adele's, this song came on, Hometown Glory, which I love the original anyway. And I just cried, Stu. It was just, it was so emotional looking around and like, where are the people? Where are my people? And the National Theatre was taped up. And, you know, the benches were all taped up. It was so strange. And that, I suppose, the lyrics of this song are amazing anyway. Yeah. Um, and they always make me think, you know, that is an absolutely accurate depiction of how London makes me feel. And, um, yeah, so that's why I chose that one. Have you, um, have you heard People's Faces by Kay Tempest? Yes. That's that's my walking around London. Yes. Oh, excellent. <laughs> that, that's my little headphone one, which which gets my bottom lip trembling a little bit when, yes. I, walk, when I walk through London. Always go for that that track. Um, I ne- I nearly went actually for Kano t-shirt weather in the man of my friend. Oh, wonderful! I think the storytelling. I think Kano in general. Wow, wow. This, for me, storytelling is so important. I think as we yeah. can tell from Shakespeare's Sister Stay, but that's the story he tells through that song is just mind-blowingly good and that always makes me think yeah london so as an actor i'm i'm not an actor but i do this all the fucking time so if i'm on the train <laughs> if i get off the train and i'm walking to the tube and my headphones on i'm in a music video do you do that oh god yeah absolutely i'm i'm in that verve video all the time <laughs> always. a sweet symphony <laughs> swinging my arms around always yeah yeah it's uh it, it sounds, it's, it's a ridiculous thing to kind of sort of, you know, and, I, and I've questioned myself a few times, like just kind of looking back at myself in like the reflection in the tube or whatever. And, and it's, it's a bit self-indulgent and a bit crackers, but it feels kind of nice. So I just think, oh, do you know what? Just go with it. Who cares? <laughs> like, I know that feeling of, 
yeah, realizing that I, I remember sort of sitting on the tube reading a book and thinking that people were watching me reading a book Yeah, and being like, Jess, come on. No one is thinking about you reading your book. They might look at the front cover and be like, oh, what's she reading? And that's when is I realized I was... That, is that that girl from Stonosaurus? <laughs> <laughs> is she the one that was like Fergie from the Black Eyed Peas? <laughs> But yeah, I was very self-aware actually in terms of thinking, oh God, everyone's everyone's looking at me, I'm doing something wrong. And then I, I, I worked through that and I don't yeah. think like that anymore. But yeah, of course, like great song comes on, you know, catch yourself in a shop window. I love that. I'm like, yeah, I'm in a TLC music video. Don't talk to me right now. <laughs> Do you like to dance? I love to dance. Do you know what? It's actually, this is actually quite sad. I went to All Points East this year and danced non-stop to Marianne Hobbs's All Queen stage. Actually, shout out to Marianne Hobbs because I would not have got through lockdown at all without Six Music. You and me both, mate. Oh, Sean, Sean Keevney. I mean, honestly, like they become like friends, don't they? And everyone who listens to the show, if you tweet and then they message you, it's like, there's such a nice community. Community again. Yeah. I keep talking about that. But um, yeah, so I danced like an absolute uh, unleashed feral creature um, at, at uh, All Points East. But other than that, I have hardly danced this year, except for in my kitchen, which yeah. is a frequent daily occurrence. But yeah. yeah, gosh, I miss those nights of, you know, unbridled joy. <laughs> I don't know what I was going to say. <laughs> <laughs> well, um, I guess this is the point where you can uh, be influencer, tastemaker, Mm. And uh, and introduce someone to something because um, for the last track, Jess, I'm going to ask you please um, to tell me a song that you think many people may not know that you would like them to hear. Yeah, so <clears throat> I've chosen "Coming Home" uh, by City and Colour. A lot of people will know, obviously, Alexis on Fire, and Dallas Green is in Alexis on Fire, and this is his solo stuff, and he's been doing it for years. Um, but his voice is just that thing where <clears throat> I keep having to clear my throat, sorry, where it's like you get a snapshot into someone's soul and there's nothing, mu- nothing hide, uh, masking anything. It's just pure. I'm giving you my gut. Yeah. And as an actor, that's what I pride myself on. I'm so not bothered about what I look like, what, you know, what gesture I'm doing, none of that. I just want to give you the meat of it. And I think what Dallas does is just stunning. I've taken several friends to see him live. In fact, the last gig I went to before lockdown was City in Colour at the Palladium. And it was a sit-down one. And it was, I looked to my friend, I went with a comedian friend of mine and looked to my right and she, she'd never seen him before and she was just crying her eyes out. Um, so I'm sure lots of musos out there have heard of City in Colour. Yeah. But for those who maybe might have heard of Alexis on Fire, but haven't thought that someone in Alexis on Fire could not be going, and is actually singing stunningly. I just, that song is amazing. Beautiful. And it's the first one that I heard of his that made me go, whoa, I love this guy. Well, Jess, we we put together a Spotify playlist to accompany the podcast. (laughs) My epic 70 song choice uh, playlist. (laughs) (laughs) So people will get to hear that. um, And we'll throw on some other songs that we've, we've spoke about. Obviously all your choices, and uh and and yeah and so as we you know fast approach christmas um mm. i'm i'm going to ask you um what you've got 
what you're looking forward to from 2022 personally Hmm. and what's going to be happening professionally? Wow. I think personally, I hope that I get to have a holiday. I haven't had a holiday in two years now, um, which I'm both very grateful for the fact that I've been working nonstop. That's amazing. But also I'm very tired. Um, uh, Yeah. So I hope travel is back in my life. And I hope all the weddings that have been postponed, Corona postponer, that we can actually get to do them next year. That would be nice because dancing will be involved. Yeah. And professionally, uh, there'll be a radio play coming out, I think, probably February, probably. I'm not sure how long it takes for those things to come out. We're recording the next week and the week after, which is exciting. Um, And then who knows, Stu? There'll be lots more film and TV voice stuff that I'm doing. Um, Yeah. I watch this space. <laughs> if people want to keep up to speed on all of your creative output, where's the best place to keep up to speed with you? Twitter, probably, yeah. I'm Jess Carroll Acts. Wonderful. Well, if it's all right with you, I'll tag you in this when, uh, when, yeah, we, when we, we shout about this so people can go and find it. Um, Jess, it's been an absolute delight uh, talking Aww. records with you. It's, uh, Same, Stu. I've loved it. Oh, wonderful. Jess, thank you so much, mate. Thanks for having me. There you go. What a lovely now that was. Oh, Jess was great. Really enjoyed that. Laughed lots. As I mentioned at the beginning, like when you've got the guests where they just feel relaxed and they're they're smiling and they're laughing. That's 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 your perfect guest. That's when you know you're having fun and uh, and you're gonna have a you know a good chat and that's exactly what we got. Um <clears throat> excuse me. <clears throat> there we go, being a bit Bob Fleming there. Um so, yeah, so um, thanks to Jess. Thanks to you lot for listening. If you'd like to help the podcast in any way, shape or form, there's loads of ways you can do it. Give it a share if you see it on the socials. We're on all the usual places. Subscribe wherever you get your podcasts. Just click subscribe. That's good. If you want to review it on any of them platforms, give us a little review, a little, little couple of stars or whatever. Oh, five would be nice. Um, and if you'd like to support it and get access to more content, then I have a Patreon which is like a social media thing where basically you pay 79p a month and you get loads of video episodes. You can watch this episode over on Patreon um, and you get loads of radio shows and, and episodes that have never been released to the public. And there's there's probably a couple of hundred of those in the back catalogue as well. So for 79p a month, yeah, you get to support the podcast and get access to loads of other stuff that's never been released to the general public. Right. I think I'm done. Stay beautiful, lovely people, and uh, and I'll see you next time. Much love. Bye-bye. It's Off The Beat and Track Podcast on the Distraction Pieces Network. It's me, Stu Whipping. Eat a book.